All right, welcome truth lovers everywhere. Welcome Christian Israel. Welcome the to the covenant people, the Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, and Caucasian people. This is Eurofolk Radio, and today is July 23rd, 2022. This is Genesis to Revolution. Uh, revolution, yeah. Revolution. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming, folks. <laughs> right? Genesis to Revelation. And uh, with my partner, stock trader Dan, uh, Dan from Georgia. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good. How are you? All right, good. So we're starting the Book of Ruth today. So uh, we need to do some introductory material here because so many people falsely believe that Ruth was a Moabitess by race and uh, rather than just territorial. And so we're going to cover that in introductory material and uh, I was also looking for the genealogy uh, from uh, from Pharez to David, and it's actually right in the book of Ruth, chapter four. So let me let's establish the genealogy right away. So Ruth, chapter four, verse eighteen. Now these are the generations of Pharez, of course, who's the brother of Zerah. Zerah moved to Europe even before the Exodus. And his descendants became the Romans and the Gauls and the Spaniards and uh, some Irish. Yeah, certainly a lot of Irish uh, because he's the Prince of the Scarlet Thread, which is still uh, a flag of the Irish today. So uh, these two brothers had uh, totally separate genealogies, but they're all descendants of of, um, Pharaohs. Okay, I mean, I'm sorry, all descendants of the patriarchs, so from uh, from Abraham, etc. So let's uh, let's uh, go through this here. Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Amminadab, and Amminadab begat Nation, or not, Nation N A H S H O N, and Nation began begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz is the main character here in the book of Ruth. And Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Mm-hmm. So here's the male genealogy, and uh, the wives are only given, you know, uh, uh, you know, occasionally. They're not given very often, but we know that Ruth was the wife of Boaz, and so, therefore, David descends from Ruth and Boaz. So the important thing for people to understand is Ruth was not a Moabitess by race. She was a Moabitess by territory, whereas I am an Illinoisan and you are a Georgian. And that doesn't mean that our race is Georgian or Illinoisan, okay? And that's how the word Moabitess must be understood in the book of Ruth and elsewhere where she's referred to as a Moabitess. So we want to start out with a, um, an article here uh, from uh, an interesting uh, place. Uh, Who is America? The 12tribehistory.com. Uh, looks like a really interesting website. 12tribehistory.com forward slash was Ruth a Moabite? And uh, the uh, it says, who is America? I guess they would want to discuss, uh, obviously, that we... Oh, Linda Watson. I know her. This is Linda Watson website. So, uh, 
Yeah, we were communicating in the past, and we were trying to get her to be a show host here at Eurofolk Radio. Maybe I should give her uh, another call. Anyway, the question is, was Ruth a Moabite? I'll post this in the chat room. Take it away. All right. This is an old article. It goes back to 2011. Right. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Was Ruth a Moabite? Ruth could not be a Moabite because she was the great-grandmother of King David. King David was the third generation from Ruth and Boaz. Moabites were not allowed in the temple. If you married a Moabite, your descendants would be would not be allowed in the temple for ten generations. Deuteronomy twenty three, chapter twenty three, verse three: An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of Yahweh forever. King David was the third generation from Ruth and Boaz. If Ruth had been a Moabite, she would have she would not have been allowed in the temple, and her descendants could not go in the temple until the tenth generation. David was the third generation from Ruth and Boaz. His father was Jesse, his grandfather was Obed, and his great grandfather was Boaz. If if Ruth was a Moabite, King David would not be allowed in the temple. First Chronicles chapter two verse eleven, and Nashon begat Salma, and Salma begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse. David went into the temple. We see him in First Samuel chapter twenty one going to the temple, or going to get the temple showbread. Also, his descendants until the tenth generation would not be allowed in the temple. Also. We know that Solomon was in the temple. He dedicated the temple. The Bible records historical proof that the Amorites and Moabites were pushed out of the land of Moab. So the people who lived in Moab were the Israelites. Amen. This this means Ruth was from an Israelite tribe. Below is the proof. Ruth chapter 1 verse 2 reads, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. God promised Judah, the the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. God instructed the Israelites that they could not set a foreigner or a non-Israelite king to rule over them. All kings had to be Israelites from the line of Judah. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 15. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom Yahweh thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. The Messiah was born as king of the Jews and king of kings. He could not be a foreigner. King of Judah. Really, that should be Judahites. Yeah, right, the Judahites, yes. Okay. Ruth was an Israelite living in the land of Moab. She was not of the Moabite lineage. We know that Joshua took control of the plains of Moab, and the local residents were removed. This territory north of the Arnon River and east of the Jordan River was occupied by the tribes of Israel known as Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. The three tribes to the east were said to live in the land of Moab. 
So the, so the Lord our God also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people. And we attacked him until he has no survivors remaining. And at that time, we took the land from the hand of the two kings of the Amorites who were on this side of the Jordan from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 3 and 8. In another place, the Bible records that no racial Moabites were left alive in the land. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 34. However, the race of the Moabites were not wiped out. They were located in other lands. They would continue to pop up in history. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 34. And we took all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men and the women and the little ones of every city. We left none to remain. The land was now inhabited by the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 8. No Moabites remained in the land of Moab. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 1. These are the words of the covenant which Yahweh commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 8. And we took their land and gave it for an inheritance unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Joshua chapter 13, verse 32. These are the areas which Moses had distributed as an inheritance in the plains of Moab on the other side of the Jordan by Jericho eastward. Numbers chapter 21, verses 26 through 31, we read, For Heshbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab, and taken all his land out of his hand, even unto Arnon. Woe unto thee, Moab, thou art undone. People, zero, people of Chemosh. Oh, I think has, it means O, as in O-H. Oh, 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 yeah, right. oh okay. people of Chemosh. As you're saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he has given his sons that escaped, and his daughters, into captivity unto Sihon, king of the Amorites. Thus Israel dwelt in the land of the Amorites. Okay, but they, didn't, inter, but they didn't intermarry with them, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 32 through 34. Then Sihon came out against us, he and all his people, to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him before us. We smote him and his sons and all his people. And we took all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men and the women and the little ones of every city. We left none to remain. Apparently, there were still Moabites in other regions because they continued to pop up in the Old Testament history. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, Moses tells us, And this land, which we possessed at that time, from Aurora, which is by the river Arnon, and half Mount Gilead, and the cities thereof, gave I unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites, and the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, and to the Reubenites, and unto the Gadites. I gave Gilead even unto the river Arnon, half the valley, and the border even unto river Jabbok, which is the border of the children of Ammon. Ruth chapter 1 verse 2 reads, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home 
and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. So would he go There's, to live among known Moabites by race? Would he do that? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. He would have to drive them out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the explanation. Ruth never had a son from her husband, Naomi's son. There were no other sons left alive for Ruth to marry and carry on the family line of Naomi. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 and 6. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go in to her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went in to her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a near kinsman, and may his name be famous in Israel, and may he be to you a restorer of life. Also the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. Okay. Ruth chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 state, And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the... The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephratath and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you, will give to you from this young woman. The people understood that Ruth's bloodline came from Tamar is the mother of both Zerah and Perez, the royal bloodline of Judah. They understand that it was this bloodline that was the father the king of the kings of Israel. They also understood that the Messiah would come through that lineage. Notice the reference to Bethlehem. The Messiah was a descendant of Perez from the line of Judah. He was not a Moabite. Okay, I say that's. I think fairly, she did a good job of, of documenting yeah, all this. This is really good. In fact, the way the article starts out, she talks about well, you can't uh, Israelites can't intermarry with certain tribes, and that would that alone would make the house of David illegitimate. Okay, so so the fact that uh, they knew that Ruth was in fact an Israelite. Uh, proves that uh, you know, otherwise David wouldn't have been allowed in the temple, <laughs> right? Okay, mm-hmm. that's a very good, interesting you know way to lead off the argument. So thank you, Linda Watson. Good job. All right. Okay, so let's get into the book of Ruth. And now that okay. we know that Ruth was an Israelitess and not a Moabitess, <laughs> let's continue. Okay, Ruth, chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. 
and she was left and her two sons. Okay, uh, Ephrathite uh, also means Ephraimite. So apparently they're from uh, the tribe of Ephraim, if the, unless it's a reference to the town, because originally Bethlehem was called Eph, uh, Bethlehem Ephratah, and uh, I think the designation there, uh, it's either a reference to Ephraim or some other meaning, I'm not sure, but uh, but she's definitely an Israelite. <laughs> they're all Israelites. They can't be anything else. All right, back to you. Right. Okay. Verse 4. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that Yahweh had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. Yahweh deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. Yahweh grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and lifted them, lifted up their voice, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return unto with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons. Would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes, that the hand of Yahweh is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, Thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. Yahweh, do so to me. And more also, if aught put, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and Yahweh has brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing Yahweh has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, 
and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Okay, so apparently the famine was over, and they're getting ready for the barley harvest. Okay, very good. All right, chapter 2. Chapter 2. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field, and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hat was too light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Okay, so we're being told that uh, this is a very close relative, right? A kinsman kinsman of Elimelech. So not far from the uh, tree at all. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Uh, Verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, Yahweh be with you. And they answered him, Yahweh bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It has fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knowest not heretofore. Yahweh recompense thy work, and a full reward shall be given of thee of Yahweh God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. Okay, so uh, what Ruth is saying is she's of a different tribe. You know, she's probably, my guess is that she's a Reubenite. Um, oh, it could be uh, of the half-tribe of Manasseh. She is living in that territory that was given to those three tribes, uh, Reuben, uh, half-tribe of Manasseh, and I forget who the other one was now. <laughs> so those three tribes that settled on the east side of Jordan, and uh, the other half of Manasseh settled on the west side of Jordan. So she's uh, obviously was uh, living among them. Probably one of those three tribes. Uh, my guess would be Reuben. Okay, back to you. Okay, verse 14. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, 
and he reached her parched corn. And she did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and lead them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought Today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of Yahweh, who has not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with this, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. End of chapter two. Okay, so Boaz had his eye on her and uh, made sure that she hung around the uh, proper uh, field, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. the, the gleaning, the law of gleaning uh, does not, re, uh, basically gleaning, every Israelite farmer had to leave a certain amount of harvest uh, in the field for the poor to glean so they could come and get food because they ha haven't got the money or whatever or don't have their own land to farm. So uh, this was for everybody. So every poor person could glean. But uh, in this case, she obviously was seen by Boaz, and you know, th this is why Naomi was inquiring, "Who was it? Uh, whose field were you gleaning from?" Okay, so she, and so obviously we're getting ready for a kinsman redeemer <laughs> episode here in chapter three. Okay, all right, chapter three. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, "My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee?" that it may be well with thee. And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou was? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lies down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and shall go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drank and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, 
a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, <laughs> I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of Yahweh, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followed not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requires, for all the city of my people does know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, albeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee. Okay. As Yahweh lives, okay. lie down until the morning. All right. So uh, Ruth uh, 3.12 says, Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Uh, okay, so that's... Uh, whether she's of the tribe of Reuben or the tribe of Judah doesn't really matter. He recognizes her as a near kinsman, and that's that, right? That's all we need to know. So Ruth is marriageable material. Okay, back to you. Verse 14, and she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also, he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, these six measures of barley gave he me. For he said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. End of chapter 3. Chapter 4. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such, is, ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit you down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi? Thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself. For I cannot redeem it. Okay, so he didn't want to marry Ruth to have his offspring uh, be uh, named after another man. He he would not want to agree to that. Okay, but Boaz is willing to do that. Okay. All right, verse seven. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning concerning redeeming and concerning changing, for to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor 
And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. Yahweh make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which Yahweh shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, Yahweh gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be Yahweh, which has not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, has borne him. And Naomi took the child, and laid it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Okay, so there's no question that uh, Ruth's child was legitimate, <laughs> a legitimate Israelite, beyond any shadow of a doubt, okay? All right, very good. So uh, uh, let's uh, proceed to First Samuel. All right, First Samuel. Chapter 1, now there was a certain man of Ramathesmophim of Mount Ephraim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penana. And Penana had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto Yahweh of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of Yahweh. The priests of Yahweh were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But Yahweh had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because Yahweh had shut up her womb. Mm. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of Yahweh, so she provoked her. 
Therefore, she wept and did not eat. That's not nice. <laughs> no. Yeah, so you can see, Israelites can be mean to each other, right? Making okay. fun of her because yeah. she was uh, yeah barren, yeah infertile. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. Then said uh, then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? And Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of Yahweh. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto Yahweh and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Yahweh of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto Yahweh all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Oh, okay. So we have another case of Samson, <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> so he's dedicated. All right, now, Eli, it doesn't say anything here about Eli being a judge, but he probably was also a judge. Okay, so this is st we're still dealing with the very end of the judges period. Back to you. Verse 12. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before Yahweh, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spoke in her heart. She, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunk. <laughs> and okay. Eli said unto her, how long will thou be drunk? Put away thy wine from thee. <laughs> and okay. Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful, sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before Yahweh. Could not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial? For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before Yahweh, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and Yahweh remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of Yahweh. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto Yahweh the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before Yahweh and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, do what seems thee good. Tarry until you have weaned him. Only Yahweh establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of Yahweh in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as thy soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto Yahweh. For this child I prayed, 
and Yahweh has given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, also, I have lent him to Yahweh. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to Yahweh. And he worshiped Yahweh there. End okay. of chapter one. No fertility drugs necessary. Nope. <laughs> Just prayer, right? Okay. Yeah. Let that be a lesson to us. It's amazing. Dan, how many women in the bloodline have been barren for long periods of time? All right. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, Sarah, Rebecca, now Hannah, and many others uh, have been barren for a long period of time and had to pray uh, to get uh, their their child. So there's a, there's a lesson there somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, if you want a child, don't take fertility drugs. Pray and keep a healthy diet. Right. No, don't go with the industrial diet, which kills every every uh, cell in your body. All right. So. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in Yahweh. My horn is exalted in Yahweh. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as Yahweh, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For Yahweh is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren has borne seven. And she has many children, and she that has many children is waxed feeble. Yahweh kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. Yahweh makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifts up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are Yahweh's and he has set the world upon them. He will keep his feet. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of Yahweh shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. Yahweh shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto Yahweh before Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not Yahweh. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servants came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All the flesh hook brought up the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sawed flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desires, then he would answer him, No, but thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force." Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before Yahweh, for the men abhorred the offering of Yahweh, 
But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, Yahweh give this Yahweh give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to Yahweh. And they went unto their own home. And Yahweh visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before Yahweh. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto is, unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Oh, man. And he said unto them. Prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make Yahweh's people to transgress. Amen. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against Yahweh, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because Yahweh would slay them. Ooh, okay. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with Yahweh and also with men. Well, they didn't get any inheritance in Israel, that's for sure. No. Yep. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith Yahweh, Did I plainly, did I plainly appeal unto the house of thy father? when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore, Yahweh God of Israel said, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now Yahweh saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. And thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation, in all the wealth which God shall give Israel. And there shall not be an old man in thy house forever. And the man of thine whom I shall not cut off from mine altar shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thy heart. And all the increase of thy house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee, that thou shalt come up, uh, thou shalt come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left in thy house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices, that I may eat a piece of bread. Okay, so they will be subject, as we'll see, to Samuel. Okay. Right. Chapter 3. 
And the child Samuel ministered unto Yahweh before Eli. And the word of Yahweh was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of Yahweh, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that Yahweh called Samuel, and he answered him, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and <laughs> lay down. And Yahweh called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. For thou did call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know that Yahweh, neither was the word of Yahweh yet revealed unto him. Uh-huh. And Yahweh called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou did call me. And Eli perceived that Yahweh had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be. If he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Yahweh, for thy servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And Yahweh came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant hears. And Yahweh said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every one that hears it shall tingle. <laughs> in in that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, mm. because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of Yahweh. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. <laughs> then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that Yahweh has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is Yahweh, let him do what seems him good. And Samuel grew, and Yahweh was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of Yahweh. And Yahweh appeared again in Shiloh, for Yahweh revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of Yahweh. Okay, so Samuel becomes a really great prophet in Israel. Uh, well, let's start uh, chapter 4. Uh, it's not very long, but we, we may get through it. Okay, if not, we'll pick it up okay. next week. The Philistines capture the ark. Oh, this is fun. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore has Yahweh smitten us today before the Philistines? 
Let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh of hosts, which dwelt between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What means the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the Ark of Yahweh was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there has not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. Whoa. And the, the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army, and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent, and with the earth upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What means the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety-eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there has been also a great slaughter among thy people. And the two and thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from the from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck broke and Ooh. he died, for he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Oh yeah, he is a judge. Okay. Very good. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, and neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because her father-in-law, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Ichabod, Ichabod. <laughs> so obviously Yahweh wasn't with them at this time. Right, yeah, and... Uh... Well, we don't have the Ark of the Covenant. Nobody seems to know where it is, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So we're still in the same shape, aren't we? 
Okay. Yes, we are. Yeah, so it, it won't be recovered probably until the second coming because there's not enough righteous Israelites in the world for Yahweh to restore to us. All right, uh, unless we establish a, a county of uh, of righteousness in this world somewhere, uh, it's not likely. It's not likely before the second coming for anything like this to happen. So, all right, so this is one of the strangest episodes in Scripture. Now, the, the question I have, and maybe we'll address this next week, is, well, if the, if the uh, Philistines take the ark... They obviously could not touch it for fear of being killed by it. I'm sure they would have just discovered that. So they must have maybe had the uh, you know the, the staves, the rods yeah. that go through and, and figured out a way to carry it without actually touching it because it would have killed them had they touched it. All right. So well, they could it, touch the staves. Yes, while they carried it, but right. they couldn't touch the ark itself. So that's... right. Yeah, and and wood it tends to be a an insulator. So it's not going to conduct electricity because the arc was a highly conductive dynamo of electromagnetism. Mm-hmm. You know that's why you know the uh, the when uh, it was being carried and the two uh, men touched it, they were instantly killed. Right. So uh, that it's a very powerful generator of electromagnetic energy, and uh, so you would think that uh, knowing that it could be easily found, but. Uh, well, I, I tend to think that Ron Wyatt is correct, that it's still under, it was buried underneath the temple and it's still down there. But we, we, can, we can investigate that another time. But very good. So we're getting into that scenario where the Philistines were stricken with hemorrhoids. <laughs> Yahweh, <laughs> Yahweh has a sense of humor. Okay. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Good job, Dan. And we'll pick this right. up next week. Okay. Take uh, care, everybody. Right. Yeah, boss. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.